Anybody ever been, a show of hands, anybody ever been hurt in a car wreck? Anybody ever been in a car wreck you shouldn't have walked away from? Yeah, me too. Uh, in fact, I told you the story, I think, a year or so ago about heading down 40 East around 640 and doing three or four donuts with in, in, in what was then a grass median and uh, hitting into a concrete post underneath 640 ramp and looking back at my car, which was L-shaped, where, where I hit the passenger door. And uh, really, I was more concerned about my guitar than the car at, at that point, but it was in the back seat. But uh, there, are, there are moments where it just seems the Lord is, excuse me, excuse me, here's an interruption in your life. You're, you're going to learn to deal with it. It's going to build your faith in me, but you can run from me or run to me. you got a choice in how you respond to this. There are all kinds of excuse me moments I think that happens in our life. Things like cancer and, and Parkinson's and, and on and on and on. The story. There, there are excuse me moments where God says, watch him, listen I got something to say to you that only this moment, only this situation, these circumstances can say more clearly than I can. I want you to see them and be, be, be attuned to what I'm trying to communicate to you. Turn, if you will, to Genesis chapter 11. We're going to look at the very last part of chapter 11, the first part of chapter 12 together. Looking at several examples over the next several weeks of excuse me moments where God shows up in the life of someone in the scripture to say, hey, listen, watch. I've got something for you to see here that I've got an interruption that's going to make it worthwhile. And we, we seldom see that on the front end. And we seldom can see interruptions to our life and our routine as being worthwhile and good for us, but they are. And God was about to rock Abram's world here. So let's look at this text. And pick it up in verse 31 of Genesis 11, down through verse 5 of chapter 12. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together... They set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the people's earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out, set, set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now, this is a rich, rich text, but I want to glean four things from it, if we could, about Abram's interruption. First of all, Abram's interruption affected his entire known world. It affected his entire his entire existence. The, the, the known world that he knew at that time, it affected every corner of it. Look at uh, uh, verse 1, the first part of verse 1 in chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. Leave your country, your people, and your father's household. In essence to say, leave your reputation, leave your country, leave the things you're known for, leave your friends, and leave your roots. Pick up all of that, dig all of that up, the roots that you've developed, the family, the friends you've developed, the relationships you've developed, the, the, the acquisitions you've acquired, your possessions. Pick all of that up and park it in another place. So I'm about to take you to a place that's going to rock your world a little bit. Now, 
the world you and I live in most of the time is known. It's predictable. In fact, in many ways, we seek to make it as comfortable as we can. And there's nothing evil about comfort. Please don't hear that. But we, we seek to make it known, predictable, manageable, uh, routine, comfortable for us. And Abram sought those same things. He settled in Haran. Haran was a comfortable place. We'll see a little bit, little bit more about that in a moment. But as he settled there, he, started, he put down roots there. And his family and his friends and his employees and his, his cattle and all of his possessions. And God stirs the pot of all that to say, in fact, he stirs us most of the time to say, I don't care about your comfort. I really don't. Because I know this. I know your comfort should be found in me, not in these things, not in this place, not in the home, not in the, as, we, as we drive in our job. And he stirred, up, stirred the pot for, for Abram there. And what happens is to our foreseeable, calculable, consistent, in some ways comfortable world, when God rocks that, he says, are you ready to see something new? Are you ready to see a side of me that you've never seen before? Because I know these circumstances will help you see and know and experience. Uh, he, he asked Abram to leave all of that, or at least be willing to. I think that's oftentimes where God, the dividing line with, with us is our willingness to follow in obedience regardless of where it, where it takes us and what it looks like. Sometimes it's not the follow. Sometimes it's just the willingness of our heart to, to yield what we want to what he wants for us is enough. And we seldom have to follow every step of the road but he, when he finds a willing heart, he knows he can trust us with every circumstance, every situation, every opportunity that he places in front of us. And he does. He'll, he'll do that consistently if we'll listen and watch for him. But his, his interruptions, I found this to be true. You found this to be true. When I was spinning around in that car just before I made impact, I didn't think about God other than I'm probably about to see him here in a second or two. But as I was spinning around, I couldn't measure that. I couldn't calculate it. I couldn't control it. You've been in wrecks, whether you were the hit or the hit E, you've been in wrecks where you couldn't control those situations that happened. And here you are out of control, and God says, I'm not measurable, I'm not definable, I'm not calculable, I'm not foreseeable. In fact, the things I'm about to throw in your life, you can't calculate any of it. You can't measure or predict any of it because it's unknown to you. And that's exactly where Abram found himself. Get up and, and I want to take you to a land that you've never seen before, you've never experienced before. Your known world is about to be rocked. So, either Abram had a huge life change, life adjustment, or he was already holding on to things and places fairly loosely. Which is it for you and I? Is it a huge adjustment every time God wants to, to make an impact in our life, to, do, to, to knock on our door and say, here's an interruption, excuse me, here's an interruption for you. When we see those moments occurring, is it huge adjustment times and learning curves and things on our part, or are we holding on to things and relationships and jobs and, and this life in this world loosely enough to where when those things come, we're willing to say, okay, let's go. Where you, where you lead, I'm following. Our adjustment time depends on how tightly we're holding on to this world. And Abraham was, Abram rather, was either holding on fairly loosely or he had a huge adjustment or both in this moment. But God says, your entire known world is about to be rocked. Secondly, not only did Abram's interruption affect his entire known world, it, it led him into an unknown world, an unknown place. The latter part of verse 1 speaks to that. Leave your, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and watch, and go to the land I will show you. Now, most of us, when we're heading out on a trip, we'll, I, I still pull out a paper map, believe it or not. I have GPS but on my phone, but I pull out a paper map because I want to see this, this turns east and west and north, and I can see that on, on, on my phone, but I've got to keep pulling the screen up and getting it larger and more smaller. 
I'm just going to pull out paper maps. I want to see which direction I'm headed. What they drip someplace, especially someplace, <laughs> excuse me, that I've never, never been before. So, and that's where most of us, we, we, we want to know where we're going. We want to know the turns before we get to the turn. We want to know the direction before we, before we have to change course. And that's where I would say largely where Abram found himself as well to say, he doesn't ask these things, but I imagine his mind takes him to, we're going, we're going where? We're going to leave this and go where? Uh, that would be my question as well, probably for you too. Uh, but he doesn't ask those questions. He, he, he hears and heeds a, let's take off, and I'll tell you the turns on the way. And somehow he's good with that. And God is always yielding, wants us to yield to that kind of faith journey with him to say, I'll tell you the turns on the way. On the way because I see further than you can. I see deeper than you do. And all the turns before you get there and the consequences of the wrong turn before you do. So just trust me to give you the direction as we, as we head out on the way. In fact, most of us plan our lives. We were talking to group uh, last week, in fact, about rest and a Sabbath and how oftentimes on vacations they're supposed to be restful. We plan our vacations to the extent that we're just carrying busyness from home someplace else. We get there, we want to see this, we're going to, we're going to ride this and experience that and see. And, and we have to get back home so we can get some rest from our, our vacation. Most of us order our lives so much and plan our lives so much that even our rest is fairly ordered. Even our rest has some, some design to it, some, some, some predictability and routine to it. I don't know whether that's the case here with, with Abram, but uh, I know this. He got up in, in obedience and, and left. We'll talk more about that. Here's the question I want to pose to you as it relates to him and us, and that's this. The land was what God promised Abram in the, in the first part of this promise. We'll see the rest of the promise in a moment. But are, are you and I, are we missing the land for the list? Are we missing seeing the land God has for us because we are in our, in our own ordered world living life according to the list? And boy, if the land isn't on the list, even if it's better for me, even if it's something like I've never experienced before and shows me a side of him and even a side of me that I've never known before, if it's not on the list, I don't know that I want to walk into the land. And here Abram says, I'm leaving the list. In fact, I'm leaving everything I've ever known before for the land. The land is for my good. The land is for his, it's his design for me and for my world and for my family and for my friends. And I'm willing to walk away from everything I've known to experience just that thing. It was a monumental move. Abraham, but he packs up everything, packs up everybody, his whole known world, his family, his friends, his, all of his possessions, his employees. He had a sizable estate at that, at that time. He packs all of that up to say, let's go to the land that we don't know where we're going. But God's promised it. He's promised it. It's for our good. So what's our response to messages from God? In fact, when's the last time you know you've heard a voice from him? When's the last time you're convinced, either by way of the spirit or by way of his word or by way of a friend, When's the last time you're convinced you've heard a voice from God? And whenever that was, how long has it been? How clear was it? Or do we often find our, our, our frequency on a different planet? I know God's trying to speak, but I'm not getting it. Or I'm asking him to show himself and reveal his, his will in this situation. I'm not hearing his or seeing his will. We're just on different frequencies. Why? Because my life is so ordered that God would have to wedge his way in between my plans and my list to find me. He, he, he says, I, in fact, Again, again, there's many stories in Scripture. I'm not going to compete with him. I'm not going to compete with her. I'm not going to compete with your job. I'm not going to even compete with your church. 
You don't have to be for that. You're going to have to seek me and to, you're going to have to seek me to see me. And over and over again, he gives us those kind of opportunities. Is he, are we hearing his voice consistently or is he having trouble getting through? Sometimes with me, he has trouble getting through because I'm a, I'm a list kind of guy. I want to get this done, this done, this done. In fact, my life is not productive for him even. I'm doing ministry here. I got to get this. No, I can't get rid of it. I want you to see me, not the list. And I miss it. Sometimes because I'm tied to the list and I'm not willing to go into an unknown place. But I am now. So here we go. Thirdly, affecting, it not only affected his entire known world and led him to an unknown place, but Abram's interruption became a promised blessing. It became a promised blessing. Look at two and three with me. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. God's promise to Abraham, or Abram, was about the future, it was about tomorrow, but it affected his obedience today. So the things we do today affect our God's blessing on our life and our world and our family and our, our, our things we know tomorrow. It's, it was a delayed blessing. Well, that's such a foreign concept in the culture we live in. In the sense of immediate gratification that we live in, in, the, in the microwave world that you and I walk, walk into and through every day. Such a foreign concept for delayed gratification. Our world doesn't get it. It doesn't see it. The, the sense of immediacy with which we live is, is uh, it, it has forced us, even believers, followers of Jesus, has forced us into a place to, to, to either get on with it or get left behind it. And sometimes we get on with it and we should be left behind it because we miss oftentimes this sense of God's promise today to do this in me today and to bless people for tomorrow out of this doing today. Uh, and here's, here's Abram, the promise of this great nation that he's being produced to. Abram, Abram's 75 years old at this point. And God's telling him, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And I don't want to see Abram going, <laughs> but I'm 75. I mean, you know how old In fact, this promise doesn't occur until 25 years later after this. When he's 100. He doesn't see this promise fulfilled. That took a great deal of not only faith and courage, but belief in Abram to say, he's good for it. This delayed promise, this delayed blessing, he's good for it. He's shown up enough in my life to know that he's good for it. Here's a question. Is your faith deep enough and your resolve firm enough to hear the voice of God and be willing to wait 25 years to see the hand of God? Is your faith deep enough your resolve firm enough to hear the voice of God today and wait 25 years till you see the hand of God bring it to fruition. Well, for most of us, 25 years is too long to wait. Where's God? I mean, he promises. What, why is he not showing up? Why, is he, why, why am I not seeing his hand? I've heard his voice. I believe, I believe, I believe he came through and said, yes, we, you, we're going to experience this. But I can't see his hand at work. In order to do that, we've got to consistently and constantly get our eyes off of the immediate and on the infinite. I say that a lot, but I mean it. Get our eyes off of the immediate and on the, on the infinite. Because to do that, it's, it, is, it is forces us and pushes us into a world of delayed gratification, of, of promised blessing, of my obedience today affecting Henry's blessing 25 years down the road. My obedience today affecting generations behind, their blessing of generations behind me. Those things correlate with each other. It just points to Abraham in Scripture to say, listen, you got to trust me today. I see further than you do. I see deeper than you do. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to make a nation out of you. 
Jesus said, yeah, as a hundred-year-old man, I'm going to make a nation out of you and birth a nation out of your obedience to me, your, your willingness to walk away from everything you've known and walk to everything I know toward me. What a, what, what a powerful faith that is to, to see the promise of blessing you'll never experience for yourself, but others will experience in generations behind you. Finally, uh, in talking about obedience being delayed, gratification, promised blessing, we just do our fourth thing. Abram's interruption became an opportunity for obedience. Became an opportunity for obedience. Look at verses 4 and 5 with me again. He says this, So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, and he took his wife Sarah, nephew Lot, and their, and their possessions and their, they, they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram left as the Lord had told him down in verse 4. Notice the lack of detail in this, in this whole story. Get up and go to the land that I'm going to show you. If you're, a, if you're a person of detail, and I am when it comes to some things, I'm not with others, but I am when it comes to a lot of things. I want to know the details. Don't you? I want to know how's it what? How, okay. What's the what's the steps from here to there? From Haran to the new land. In fact, are we coming back here? Is that just going to be temporary? Is it going to be permanent? Are we coming back? How much how much should I pack and take? Should I load up the whole camp? Should I should, just just me? Just me and Sarah? Just me and Sarah and Lot? Where do you want to go? None of the details are filled in. But what Abram does is he reacts as if I'm never coming back, and God's His command of me is complete. It's never partial. It's never to say, this doesn't work out. There's always a plan B. There's never, ever a plan B with God because his plans will work every time. But we have enough, have to have enough faith to see them, be obedient to them, and walk in them. Uh, but there's no there's no details filled in here with Abram. And if you, you live in the world that I live in with the wife that I live with, she wants the details about everything. In fact, as it related to, to the prostate surgery after in fact, somebody's going to phone me soon now because I don't give enough detail about everything, about what the doctor said. Well, my family has to join me for my doctor appointment. But after my appointment with the, with the urologist, I'm, I'm deeply grateful that he gave me a book that says 101 questions about prostate surgery, about prostate cancer. Because I have something tangible to take home and say, here's everything you want to know. <laughs> Just read the book, and I'll, there'll be a quiz at the end. The, the details, and, and she, she's in a profession where she has to sweat the details. The details to us are important, aren't they? Yet, here's Abram to say, I've got no details whatsoever. None. And so I can leave here, go there. That's all he had. How much do I pack? Do I take everybody? How long are we going? None of that. I'm gone. God says, go, I'm gone. My faith is firm enough. I've seen his hand enough. There's enough evidence in my life that God, I can, I can trust his judgment. And I'm going to leave. Because obedience here, and he, he experiences this, obedience that's partial or conditional, God wants nothing to do with. In fact, as I share with you, he will not compete for your time and attention. He wants nothing to do with partial obedience and partial submission to him. Uh, he, his, his, this idea of, of uh, all in or all out is, is consistent all throughout Scripture. In fact, several months ago, in fact, this summer, we, you remember the series of Letters from Home, we looked at the church of Laodicea. I said, I wish you were cold or hot, but you're neither. And the fact that you're neither makes me sick. In fact, the fact that you're neither makes me want to puke, makes me want to throw up as I look at you. You're so lukewarm. You're so, you're so idle. Get in, get out. Get on, get off. And Abram says, "I'm in. I'm in. I'm in, and I'm on. You can, you can trust me. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll follow through with this." 
Listen to First Samuel, these, these verses, words from First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 says this. Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Saying to us, I don't care about your service. It's great, but I want service that's derived out of obedience, not out of obligation. I want you to obey me because you love me and you want to follow my ways and my, and my concepts and my precepts rather than I'm afraid I'm going to slap you if I don't. See, God says, I want, you, I want complete obedience out of you, not just something that's convenient, not just something that's partial, not just something that goes so far. In fact, he wants nothing to do with that. And we'll get this as well. If we're not willing to follow him anywhere, we'll usually see our faith take us nowhere. If we're not willing to follow him anywhere, and I mean anywhere, usually see our faith take us nowhere and wonder why am I still in infancy why do I still walk in immaturity in my faith it's because I've not trusted him enough for the unknown for the unseen I've not been willing to lay down my known world my predictable world and step into risk like I've never experienced before all because I still choose the head of that risk we have to find ourselves willing to head into that place to move out of infancy move out of immaturity and move into where he wants us to go and one quick thing here before we wrap up, and that's this. I want you to look back at verse 31 of chapter 11 with me. He says this. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, the son, uh, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, and set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they, watch this, when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now the sentence before that says they were headed to Canaan. Notice he says when they came to Haran, they settled there. Here's my question for you today. Where have you settled? short of where God intended for you to be. Where have you settled? What have you settled for? <laughs> Abraham, or Abram's father, Terran, settles for Haran. It's probably a nice looking place or he wouldn't have stopped there. Beautiful place. But it's not the design of God. Canaan was the design of God. Yet Terah stops and settles in Haran. Where have you and I settled? Where have we found our, ourselves at a place of, this looks pretty comfortable. I'll just camp out right here for a while. And in settling, We've missed God's best for us. We've sub substituted good for best. Substituted our design for his design. Our plans for his. Our goals and dreams for his. What have you settled for? If you didn't, didn't really have to, but because of its convenience, uh, or because of the risk involved in not settling, uh, we didn't want to move any further. Two questions, and we'll wrap up, and that's this. First is this. Will you ask God this morning to expand both your opportunities and your vision? doing that and expanding your vision, expanding your opportunities, uh, what you're going to see is the hand of God go ahead of you in ways you've never seen before, experienced before. Why? Because our willingness to look for it and see it and follow it is greater than it was before. Now, Abram was a man of great vision, and I believe that because he, he just got up and followed Jesus or followed, followed his father. Uh, he said, that's the, the land's where we're going? Good. I, I don't want to settle for Haran anymore. My father settled for Haran. I want to follow you. I'm tired of settling. I want you to expand my vision, expand my scope beyond my known world. I want to see further than I've seen before, experience more than I've ever experienced before, out of my known world, my predicted world, into the unknown world where there's greater risk, but I've got to lean on you and trust you for everything else. He, he had enough vision to see that. As God leads us in the, in the places where it's inconvenient and it's unknown, we want to expand our vision to be able to see it. But here's the bigger question as we close, and that's this. Does God have an open <laughs> Does God have an open invitation to interrupt your life? Do you, 
live in that place where God has an open invitation to interrupt your life. Most of us would say, I think so. Well, I hope so. But as those interruptions have come, though, in some cases come and gone, and we look back a year, five, 20 years later and think, did I miss God in that moment? Did I miss God in that conversation? Did I miss God in this decision? Oftentimes our, our, our honest answer is, I think I did. I think I did because I was consumed with, with me and his interruption of me wasn't convenient for me, so I missed him in the middle of it. Does God have an open invitation to interrupt your life? Does he have an open invitation to, to say, excuse me, I'm about to shift your world. I'm about to rock your world a little bit. Are you ready for this? Are you holding on to the things of this world loosely enough to where you're willing to let go of them to follow me? He has that open invitation. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to see a side of him you've never seen before. Experience the hand of God and the way of God like you've never experienced before. But you've got to be willing to let go of the things you've known in a place of comfort to see and experience those. Does he have that invitation in your life to interrupt your world? More next week. Let's pray.